Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. Floors, doors, walls, walls. The whole world is watching the chance to crowd on the side. You hereby officially request the immediate deployment of federal troops to assist in re-establishing law and order in the city of Detroit. Looting, murder, and arson have nothing to do with civil rights. But when I leave, you can feel my said with the last words on my lips, I am a revolutionary. There's American culture before the 60s, and then there's after. Good evening. Tonight, President Nixon will try to restore some calm to the troubled United States. He will be speaking. This era occupies our collective consciousness more than any other. It's difficult to imagine the sheer immensity of political, social, and cultural change that occurred in this decade happening today. We are here and we are standing before the forces of power. In, in large part, we can attribute this change to the baby boomers. The largest generation in history, the boomers caused a massive demographic swing in the United States. By the mid-60s, half of the population was under 25. These shifting demographics made it where youth culture and the counterculture as a whole could not be ignored by politicians and definitely not by advertisers. There was just too many of them. Who are these young Americans? How will they affect American society and the world? What do they want? The social and political movements of the 60s were led by the most marginalized in our society. But what forced the status quo to react was the fact that even the white, affluent youth were pushing these movements ahead too. The boomers were radically reimagining the governing systems that had been put in place. They didn't care about authority, and they saw the propaganda Madison Avenue created as an extension of this system. Some very sad news for all of you and people who love peace all over the world. And that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight. Remember Events like the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Fred Hampton, the Kent State Massacre, and the incident at the Chicago DNC all served as high watermarks where the politically radical aspirations of this generation were always met with violent suppression from the state. The deep sadness that we feel over the troubles and the violence which have erupted regrettably and tragically in the streets of this great city. You could say that these flashes of violence were a failure of propaganda. The tools that had been used to shift behaviors and beliefs were no longer working. Something had to change. There's no way to be committed to nonviolence in the middle of the most violent society that history's ever created. I'm not committed to nonviolence in any way. Like any good strategy, it starts with the universal truth. Beneath all the radical political activity, all the drugs, all the rock music, and all the sex, the boomers really only cared about one thing, the ability to express themselves. This new generation may have been nonconformists, but that doesn't mean we couldn't make them into consumers. This is propaganda. Entering the 60s, the work Bernays had done creating propaganda for private industry was central to how Madison Avenue operated. The majority of agencies now had a psychoanalyst on staff to better understand consumers and their behaviors. Well, that's fine. May I ask you a couple of questions? Bernays' approach to market research is seen as the default. Another major change is that television has become the dominant medium. 
Brands were now able to tell more compelling stories with both image and sound, directly into the homes of the consumer. However, the stories being told generally painted a picture of a world that was not grounded in reality. They offered visions of a traditional and conformist ideal. Others would finally see you as the perfect housewife. You'd finally fit in with everyone else, but only if you bought their product. Harvey, want anything special for your birthday? Just a decent cup of coffee. You're kidding. I'm serious, honey, your coffee's undrinkable. Why don't you try Instant Folgers? Tastes good as fresh perked. Instant Folgers taste good as fresh perked. Try it. Call it wish fulfillment, call it escapism, call it everyone just wanted a bit of peace and quiet after World War II. Whatever you want to call it, as the 60s unfolded, it stopped working. We want to live a life that isn't based on materialistic values, and yet the whole system of the economy of America is based on profit, on personal greed and selfishness. Everywhere you looked, the Freudian belief that society serves as a governing force that demands conformity was being rejected. The inner self did not need to be repressed and controlled. It should be encouraged to express itself. At the Esalen Institute on the West Coast, this idea would end up sparking the human potential movement. You may remember Esalen from the finale of Mad Men. It's where Don Draper goes and has the idea for the greatest commercial ever made. The new day brings new hope. Lives we've led, the lives we've yet to lead. New day, new ideas, a new you. This movement stands for the idea that every human being is capable of living a life of complete bliss and creative expression. If we all committed to helping each other express our true inner selves, the result would be a happier and healthier society. First change that takes place is in your mind. You have to change your mind before you change the way you live and the way you move. The thing that's going to change people is something that no one will ever be able to capture on film. It'll just be something that you see and all of a sudden you realize, I'm on the wrong page. The movement was based on research conducted decades prior by Abraham Maslow. Maslow saw the majority of humanity acting with autonomy and generally in pursuit of a better life and a better world. All they needed was a framework to help guide them toward the truly meaningful life they were in pursuit of. This belief system is best exemplified by the framework that bears his name, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Maslow had invented a new system of psychological types. He called it the Hierarchy of Needs, and it described the different emotional stages that people went through as they liberated their feelings. At the top was self-actualization. This was the point at which individuals became completely self-directed and free of society. The baby boomers were uniquely poised to ascend Maslow's hierarchy. This desire to self-actualize had been a major driver behind their radical political activity, and now it would fuel the spread of the human potential movement. You can't get caught in the conforming, rote, lockstep, which we call American society. The movement's principal focus was the liberation of the self. What that means is that you can't truly self-actualize until you're deconditioned from the society that spent your entire life suppressing you. You've got to override the very strong habits or associations that your mind has learned from its childhood on. Well, that's really the key or the essence of the psychedelic experience. Taking LSD, having lots of weird sex, and anything else that comes to mind when you imagine a hippie were all a part of this process. The thing is, they won't put any other message on the air. That's right. It's a real alternative. There are 99,000 alternatives to the one asshole who gives it. 
human potential movement was offering another path for self-actualization. Changing the world doesn't require protest or violence. The only revolution is the one in your own mind. Don't politic. Don't vote. These are old men's games. Impotent and senile old men that want to put you onto their uh, old chess games of war and power. Drop out. After witnessing the violent suppression with which their political activity had been met, this idea must have seemed really exciting to the affluent, white, middle-class baby boomers who had made these issues impossible to ignore in the first place. A problem like civil rights, it's perfectly clear where, where the right lies. Uh, but in order to implement the right, you have to make such a complete commitment that, that most people aren't willing to do it. I just figure I'm just going to attack certain decisions in my life and uh, not think about them. Uh, because uh, what difference does it make? Political activism was not required. It's about making a new you, that if enough people changed the way they were, that the society would change. No more getting beaten by cops, no more getting arrested. All you had to do to bring about the world you wanted to see was focus on yourself. Most of today's young people develop a sense of powerlessness about their ability to change society. They feel they cannot change the system, so they turn to their own private lives as the only thing over which they have any real control. It's a shift from the status quo being radical conformity to a new status quo, radical individualism. I didn't care for society. I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'm, it's not there. Remember. Bernays said to create an association between the product and a desire already governing the public's behavior. And how does Madison Avenue plan to use this information? We have evolved an hypothesis, and it is simply that. We feel that they are going to find their identity through consumption. In other words, that through consumption and through identification with products and services, people will gain some identity. Not a lot of people understand how serious we are about saving this planet. I'm dead serious. You care about the environment, so you wear Patagonia. You know, we carry rifles for a living, and we are kind of making jokes about, oh, Black Rifle Coffee Company. This will piss people off. You hate woke cultures, so you drink Black Rifle Coffee. Is this starting to sound familiar? It should. It's called lifestyle branding, and it's the foundation of contemporary consumer marketing. People don't buy your product, they buy the why behind your product. But it doesn't matter how much thought leadership you bury it under. The goal is still to shift the beliefs and behaviors of individuals. It's still propaganda. The New York woman, when her needs are financial, her reaction is chemical. Chemical New York, the bank for the New York woman, whoever she is. Propaganda's new focus on self-expression would creatively liberate Madison Avenue. We don't have to speak to all Americans, we can just focus on the individual. With a more narrow audience, you can take more creative risk. No, you don't see many wild stallions anymore. He's one of the last of a wild and very singular breed. Come to where the flavor is. Come to Marlboro country. The golden age of advertising is generally referred to as a period from the 60s to the late 70s. It's kind of the golden age of American culture in general. Similar to music and film industries of the time, partly out of exasperation with a culture they just no longer understood, executives in advertising handed the reins over to creatives. Well, who the hell else are you talking? You talking to me? All of this resulted in advertising getting weird and a lot more creatively exciting. 
They started reimagining what could be done and said within the medium. There was a stranger who came into our town. We might have welcomed him except for one thing, his pants. They weren't dull like ours, and this troubled us. Stranger, how is it your pants have colors and flared legs? He just smiled and said, I'm wearing Levi's. This new generation was breaking all the rules, and advertising was doing it too. A great example of this is the iconic Volkswagen ad series. It includes print ads like Lemon and Think Small. These advertisements break the oldest and most basic rules of advertising. Don't insult your product. Don't lead with deficiencies in the marketplace. Just about everyone will be telling you about this great new idea to think small. It is a great idea. We at Volkswagen have been working on it for 21 years. They're no longer even selling the Volkswagen. They're just selling an idea. You don't follow the rules. Neither do we. We see things differently. The results speak for themselves. When you imagine a bunch of hippies in 1970 driving a car, what car are they driving? Doing something new is a risk. When audience see you take that risk for them and pull it off, they love you for it. This period is the golden age because when propaganda stopped focusing on the masses, it was finally able to tell great stories. Propaganda was no longer just manipulating behavior, it was winning hearts and minds. Some people have a deep abiding. Ultimately, this shift turned the boomer generation into the greatest generation of consumers corporate America has ever known. The boomers got what they always wanted, the ability to express themselves. They just had to pay for it. The radical self-expression that drove the activism of the 60s and 70s had now given way to a rugged individualism and rampant consumerism of the 80s and 90s. Products had become symbols for self-expression, and as a result, brands became an extension of your own identity. The goal of any communication is now to convey that the product, politician, or entity will help you self-actualize. You'll be able to express yourself more authentically. It's a mirror. The brand is a better you. And as a result, you become emotionally invested. Its success is your success. So you evangelize it, because you see it as an extension of yourself. Disney so much. This is literally my childhood. James Earl Jones coming back as motherfucking Mufasa. The only problem is the longer you look in the mirror, the harder it is to see where you end and where the propaganda begins. But when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips, I am a revolutionary. This is propaganda. This is Propaganda is presented by Brink. We're a creative collective dedicated to helping activist brands and causes shift behaviors and beliefs. We do everything from branding and advertising campaigns all the way through to distributing feature films. And a special thanks to Cloud Microphones for providing equipment and studio. Cloud Microphones award-winning ribbon microphones and accessories are used by artists, studios, and touring companies all over the world, but they're made right here in the USA, in Tucson, Arizona. Visit cloudmicrophones.com to learn more. Written and hosted by Josh Bellhumer and Malcolm Critcher. Producing by Jacqueline Hubersberger and Reed Chandler. Story editor, Matt Decker. Additional audio engineering provided by Paul Yanietti. And original music by Josh Bellhumer. This is a production of Brink. Find more at brink.com. Join the Slack community at thisispropaganda.slack.com. 
or find us on Reddit at This Is Propaganda. Send any hate mail to propaganda at brink.com.